you have to be thoughtful about the message that you're accompanying with the content and why someone on the other end should actually care. It's very important for all marketing teams to essentially be on the same page. Always try to figure out how you align the content that you're creating with revenue. Hi, Michal. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Operation Automation. Today, we're going to be talking about a very pressing topic, how to survive when AI and different Google updates are taking over good old SEO. Michal, what do you have to say about the subject? Yeah, I think this is interesting and worth exploring a bit more because I think content distribution has always been the most important part that that we we didn't focus enough on nearly nearly enough. You know, with, uh, with content publication, it's super easy to rely on SEO, and most blogs get traffic mostly from from organic search, and it's becoming less reliable, reliable as you said, with the AI updates, uh, with uh, folks not having to visit websites to get answers and being able to refine their searches and still not leaving Google uh, to get their answers. And, you know, we know about email marketing quite a bit. Uh, we've we've used it for years now. We use webinars. Uh, we use paid ads as well, but it's becoming more expensive. So I think content syndication and the topic of today's uh, episode is super interesting because uh, that's something that we've not nearly enough explored. And it could be the answer to getting good quality uh, contact information, good quality leads by utilizing other partners, other companies, agencies that have access to it. Or it is essentially about extending your marketing team because they are generating leads with your content or repackaging your existing content to better fit the people that you want to reach. So I do think this is an interesting topic and I'm curious uh, to hear what Brett has for us prepared. Exactly. And if you guys are like me and you're not entirely sure as to what content syndication is, then this episode is for you because our guest, Brett McGrath, is diving deep into the topic and explores all you need to know about content distribution, content syndication, and how to get the most out of your content marketing efforts. Hope you enjoy the listen. Excited to be here. I'm still in a little bit of recovery mode after the holidays, but I think this is the first um, marketing conversation that I've had externally. So I'm excited to get back into the groove and talk uh, all things market marketing and uh, more specifically content marketing with you both today. Awesome. I like talking about content marketing, so really looking forward to it. So Brad, before we get started and talk about all things content, I have a question for you. What is the one thing in life that you wish you could automate? I would say... Um, Maybe so. I'm a new dad. My my daughter is 15 months old, and I've definitely learned. And I'm sure any parent out there who is listening can certainly relate to this. Didn't necessarily realize um, with how much work it was um, all the time. And so I've joked to uh, my team that. Now that I'm back at work after the holiday, I feel like it's less work because I was sitting there taking care of a human being for you know almost two weeks, and uh, this actually feels like a lot less work. But the one thing that I did over and over and over and over again that if I could automate it, I certainly would do that would be um, 
something to pick up all of her toys and things and put them back because it drives me insane to look at it when we put her down for a nap. And it feels like I'm spending half of my day just picking up stuff and putting it back to where it belongs. I think it's not the worst thing. I thought you were going more in a diaper direction. We could definitely go down a a weird rabbit hole by talking about all the things. Diapers, uh, yeah, but not as much as the picking up the toys. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, now that we know about your personal life, (laughs) how about you introduce yourself to our listeners, what you do, why we're talking about content to you, and what's up? Yeah, so uh, my name's Brett McGrath. I'm the vice president of marketing at The Juice. The Juice is a content curation and distribution platform for B2B marketing and sales professionals. Um, I've been a um, kind of B2B marketer my whole career. It's it's all I'd known. So I've worked in companies, all different shapes and sizes, pointed at a lot of different industries. um, And I've always found a lot of joy and excitement in kind of the startup phase. So um, it has been a while since I had marketed to marketers and I through a f- several different stops before the juice, I really had a desire to go back in, start creating, building a brand, creating content for people like me. Um, and that's what I get to do at the juice. So uh, it's kind of wild, but I joined the business pre-product. Um, so just here's some advice to any marketers out there listening. If you want to figure out how to level up and get really good in your role, join a business before the product is even built because it forces you to do different things and think about things a little bit differently. So um, yeah, two years at the Juice, um, we are, um, you know, it's it's been uh, an interesting, fun, exciting ride, um, especially, you know, pandemic and then just last year. Um, but yeah, we're, we're around, we're growing and more and more marketers are coming to us to learn more about how they can think about content distribution, which I think is part of the conversation of what we're going to be talking about today. That's cool. Uh, I'm wondering about joining a company before the product is built. So, you know, how what, what are the main challenges at that stage? Because I'm familiar with, you know, like established brands, products that have been on the market for a while. So even if you want to, I don't know, start working in the marketing department of such a company, you actually research the product, maybe you use it yourself, you know. So it's it's a different story. How about this, like, you know, joining a company before the product is built? Yeah, so I think uh, I always say, and I always joke is that our CEO, Jonathan, uh, is a pretty good sales guy because he was able to sell me on the vision of what we were looking to do before the product and even product leader was in place. So honestly, I think the benefit is B2B marketing and so much of what we have been used to over the last you know, five to seven years has been like, hey, how can I take my thing and make it sound, look, and feel it like it's fat, the fastest, the most revolutionary, the most game-changing product, and that people will come lining up at the door and want to use it. And that's just not how how it works anymore. We uh, we all are building products that are look and feel similar to what our competitors, and so they're commodities at the end of the day. And I feel like what joining a business pre-product forced me to do was to not necessarily think about the feature functionality and all the bells and whistles, but really get into the shoes of our future customers and try to understand what motivates them and what are some roadblocks along the way. And then for me as the marketer, it's like, okay, well, how do we begin to tell stories around these issues, around these things that 
people like me are thinking about on a regular basis. And that then goes and helps launch off our content program. And then launching the content program allows me to build an audience and add value so that when we do have the product ready, people are like, oh yeah, the juice, I know that brand. I've been reading their newsletter. I've been listening to their podcast. I've been reading their blog articles. Yeah, I I, I trust them because I'm getting something. I'm, they're adding value to my day-to-day. Let me go check out what their thing does. So that has been kind of the biggest epiphany for, for me just as a marketer throughout this. And I'm not sure if I would have joined when the product was existing, was in existence, if I would have approached the way I kind of went to market in the same way. Sounds sounds amazing. Um, I mean, you know, building. So, how do you? What would be the you know tips you could give to people who maybe they do not have a product at this very moment, but they are you know like like thinking about like yeah developing. So, what what do you do as a content person? How do you help this business? in creating a community around your brand? I think the most important thing to do, and um, this is probably the hardest thing to do, especially as marketers that were ambitious people and we want to ship and publish and uh, you know launch things all the time, is just to take a step back. And when I say take a step back, that's do a lot of listening. So I spent a lot of time understanding where the people that we wanted to become our customers were hanging out to learn. And instead of going in there and injecting the juice brand or injecting my opinion or content that I was writing, I just sat back and listened, listened to the conversations, listened to what people cared about, listened to what motivated them, listened to the different roadblocks. And I did that for about a month. And then after that month, I felt like was uh, there was an opportunity because I had built and developed trust on those channels to start engaging, to start commenting, to start sliding into the DMs and saying, hey, I've been following your posts for the last month. I've learned these three things. I'd love to chat with you on a Zoom call. I work at The Juice. We're building this thing and your feedback would be really helpful. And so that uh, that process I went through, um, I would recommend to anyone is that when you listen and you engage with other people's uh, stuff across the channels where you you want to be hanging out. Uh, p- market, especially if you're to marketing to marketers, like marketers want to be recognized. They want to know that their message is resonating. And it, it for me, it was like a fast pass to building and developing re- relationships with people who that would end up collaborating on content with us, people who would then uh, join Modern Day Marketer, which is our podcast and have these types of conversations. And then people who would then become future cu- or become customers of the juice. So um, yeah, do, doing a lot of listening and seeing where that takes you is what my recommendation would be. This sounds brilliant because it sounds like you also get the feedback from your potential customers and you can transfer this feedback to the company, to the product development team, or actually you, this research is valuable, I, I, I can imagine. Yeah, the, um, the so interesting for me, and I've never, this has never happened to me in any of the places that I've worked, but I am the ideal buyer of the juice. So that really puts me in a unique position from the perspective of, yeah, well, it's probably easier for me to create and write content around what we're doing and have it resonate. And yeah, that makes sense. But then it's this like um, responsibility that I did not necessarily think I would have, but certainly had right from the gates of what you recommended. It's like, 
I'm on the ground floor getting feedback on from things that our future customers want. And so uh, it took me a little while to realize that and then to also not only realize that, but then when we do have our product meeting to share that feedback and not only share that feedback, but then layer in the context from, okay, it was because it was this VP of marketing and they work at this company and this is the stage that they're at and here are the things that they're prioritizing and here's where they're money is being invested. And so like when you start to drill down on those specific use cases, then it gives your product team a lot of um, insight and information that what they're building or what they're planning to build is actually going to be something that the person on the other side is going to use. As I understand it, Juice is a content distribution platform, so I thought we could talk a bit more about content distribution specifically. So let's start by you explaining what exactly content distribution is for you and your company. Yeah, so I've been talking about content distribution probably more than anything else, uh, any other topic over the last two years. And I think the the idea of content distribution means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But for me, it means being able to take what you have built and the content that you've created and deliver it in the right channel at the right time to the right person. So that goes back to a lot of what we are we talked about at the beginning is like just understanding where the people that you want to read your content or consume your content are hanging out. And it's a the the viewpoint that I always have it's it's quality over quantity. I think you can go in and invest in a content syndication program and um, you know, give it you content syndication uh vendor, you know, 10K to go distribute your piece of content in their email list. But like, who knows who's going to see that? And you're going to get back a bunch of names uh, in a CSV file that is going to be uploaded into Salesforce. Um, but are those the right people? I think content distribution gives you the opportunity to evaluate if the channel that you're going to spend time in is full of the right people. So uh, we, we have gone through this phase in... Uh, content marketing, inbound marketing, where it was like, there was a time not too long ago where it was like, okay, if I publish these articles and hit hit publish, Google will recognize them and then I will rank for these keywords and few people are doing this. So it'll bring new people to our website and then they'll be quested demo. Like that used to be a thing that n- not a ton of marketers were doing. Well, we all know uh, every marketer became to do that and that became the strategy. And then uh, we all got in these um, contests of who can spend the most money, who can rank for certain keywords. And that certainly still happens today. But tip for me, as I'm looking at content marketing um, and B2B marketing kind of going into 2023, it's like you can do that, but distribution is the way that you're going to be start separating yourself. So instead of being reactive, I always view it as being proactive and finding ways to go on offense with your content. And so as I understand, content distribution is more about personalization, more like unique approach to the specific target audience as opposed to content syndication. Am I right? Yeah, that's that's really how I look at it. I, the, the other thing that I like to, to layer in on top is that um, when, I, when we say content distribution, I think what gets lost sometimes is like, okay, I'm going to do distribution because I'm going to try to get my piece of content in front of as many people as possible. And I think I compare it a lot because this. I started off my career in the email marketing space where it's just like, 
all right, we're trying to get this list and get as many people as possible so we can send this email and it hits as many people as possible. And this batch and blast approach, that that's really not what it is. Um, what it is is it's focusing on on quality and and being personalized and making sure that even if it's a group of five or ten people, those are the right five or ten people that you are building and developing your content for. So it's just delivery with intention. It's just being super focused on on where your content um, is going or where you plan it to be. And how does it go together with SEO, which is about exposure ultimately? Yeah, it's like I mentioned, I th- I, I think they they go together, um, and you should have both. Um, I think we we are just as a business being we, being more focused on SEO than we we have before. But we didn't start that way. Um, we started with uh, all right. I am as the content marketer. I am going to write our point of view. I'm going to write what we're learning, our opinions that we think can help our future customer. And I'm not going to worry about the keywords, like because. I'm focused in on the distribution strategy. And so that's how we started, which I think is a little atypical than what a lot of marketers start with. It's like, okay, what are our keywords? Uh, let's distribute, well, let's publish this content and let's build the relationship with um, Google and try to get recognized. Um, I think they both work together and you need, we are now at the point where it's like, all right, we went so heavy on this this one direction. Now it's time to figure out how we can uh gain some traction um, through kind of SEO approach. So uh, originally when I was uh, writing and talking about this, I was almost like, yeah, you shouldn't even worry about SEO. I have since pulled the reins back on that because um, we hired a amazing SEO uh, consultancy firm and they've helped school me that, hey, like I know you're pretty radical in your approach, but like here are some things you should be thinking about that are foundational that will help your website and uh, help you get seen by more people. And um, once I saw the light on that, I was like, okay, you're right. Let's let's make sure we're running these two strategies um, together and not separate. Makes perfect sense. Thank you. I'm also wanted to take this time to pretend, to stop pretending that I know what I'm talking about. And could you maybe explain me and some of our listeners what content syndication is exactly? Yeah. So, uh, so I... I think about content. So I'm going to tell a story first, and maybe that'll help set the stage. So when I was a, um, when I was kind of um, starting off my marketing career, and I got a budget for the first time, um, I was working at a, a hyper growth company. It was like I, I joined the business, and uh, we were like hyper growth, going nuts. And then the next year, we were publicly traded. Two years later, we were bought by Salesforce. So like the trajectory. And I realized after the fact, it was like that like start to your career isn't normal. And like I have been chasing that ever since and haven't found it. So I've realized that like a decade plus later. But during that experience, um, uh, I'll never forget like my, when I advanced to a certain role and I had a budget for the first time, I was like, I've got a budget. And I like looked at the line item and it was like, it was like you have, it was like you have like 60K to spend this quarter on your program. And I was like, they're giving me $60,000 to spend. Like, that's nuts. And so I I kind of, for the first time, formed like, here's the tactics, here's the strategy, here's what I want to invest in. And I'll never forget, like, I I think I spent like 40K of it on this this experiment that I was running that did pretty decent. And then at the end of it, like, my, there was about a month left of the quarter. My boss was like, what are you doing with the other 20K? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, you got to use it or we lose it. And I was like, 
okay, so I'm like investigating. It's like, all right, look at my KPIs. How do we hit these KPIs as soon as possible? And the one thing at the time was content syndication. I was like, what is content syndication? And people internally were like, you know what? You can basically what happens is you get, take your piece of content that we're promoting and you take it to this vendor and you say, hey, I want you to syndicate this content. And then what happens on the other side is they're going to send you this CSV file and the CSV file is going to be full of leads. And then what we're going to do is we're going to send it to marketing ops and we're going to you know, upload those leads into Salesforce and then distribute those leads to the right salespeople. And you're going to, you're, it's going to help you hit your number. And I was like, awesome. This is great. So I, I emailed the vendor. Of course, I was on a demo the second day and then I was, you know, very naive at the time, but I was like, yeah, I had 20K to spend on this. And of course they was like, yeah, 20K, sure. We can help you out. Um, and, uh, what had happened was I got a CSV file at the end of it. Um, as promised. And there was like 150, 200 leads on the list. And I was like, wow, this is great. I, 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 I surpassed my lead total at the time and gave them to ops. And then a week or so into the next quarter, I'll never forget my, my boss, uh, you know, reaches out to me and say, Hey, you got time to talk. And we, we started chatting. He's like, yeah, uh, the sales director is talking about the leads that you sent over and sales team is really upset that they're having to follow up on these and they say they're terrible leads. And so I was like, terrible leads. And so I started to investigate. I was looking at the leads and they were all just bad leads. It was not fits. They were wasting salespeople's time. And that was the moment where I realized, you know what, like just because I'm able to check the box and I'm able to um, hit my KPI numbers doesn't mean that that's good for the business. And so I've always um, had this viewpoint of content syndication as, um, yeah, it, it can be good in certain scenarios, but for for me, in the most part, it's going to give me quantity when I'm when I'm always going to be more focused on quality, and so that's why I kind of lean so heavily on distribution because I think it forces quality outputs as opposed to just getting a CSV file with a bunch of names that you send to your sales team and they're going to uh, hate you for it. And that, kids, is why you should never buy contact from third parties. Email marketing 101. <laughs> That's right. I also wanted to ask you about distribution because um, I'm wondering that, you know, if let's imagine a scenario that, you know, there is a person who would like to start. So they, they realize that they do have some, you know, content that might be valuable. But what what how do we start with distribution? Like, you know, what do we mean exactly? Because I know that for those like professional content marketers, uh, marketers out there, um, it it is quite clear. But what about, you know, some people running a business uh, with some content? Okay, what do we really mean? And, and how should we approach content distribution? I think my, my first recommendation would be, I've said this a few times, but do more listening than talking or publishing. So it's, uh, research, like your research phase in that period of time you dedicate to identifying the channels of choice is really critical. Um, and I think oftentimes people are like, okay, yeah, like Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, let's, let's make sure we attack those, which is probably right. But I think the, the, the powerful thing is identifying those other ancillary places or channels that you can share your stuff that other people not, might not be doing it and it's opportunity for you. So like for us, at the juice, it was really identifying like what are those, what are those the the Slack communities? What are the uh, Superpath as an example? I'll shout Superpath out. 
10,000 plus content marketers and finding that place where people were going to learn and understanding if I was going to lean into Superpath and have it be a place where I want to share my content. How do I do this in a way that's not going to be damaging damaging our brand, but it's going to actually make people think positively for us? So I think first and foremost, like less is more when you're starting out. I would definitely make sure that you're doing research. You're understanding like how do you focus in on one, two, maybe three channels out of the gates. And it's not just it's not just sharing your content. It's the opportunity with distribution is providing that context. So it's like you have to be thoughtful about the message that you're accompanying with the content and why you're re- why someone on the other end should actually care. So, you know, that's kind of uh, that's how I would I would start. I would recommend distribution to anyone is like start super small, be highly focused. And once you learn and you master a channel or two, figure out how you can expand on it. Okay, so if I understand correctly, it's like you do have those different, let's say, social media channels, but then you go do the research and you find communities of your target audience. You find places where your target audience have meaningful discussions. And then, this is something I I like in particular, it's like you provide context for the content because very often it's like, yeah, we can see that, you know, people share their their ideas. Like, okay, here's the article that I wrote or here's my ebook. So you, you, you get the concept that who, who the author is, and maybe you can just imagine, you know, that through the title of the content piece, you, you, you do have some uh, ideas on the context. But yeah, providing clear context is huge. This is actually what makes me click or not. Yeah, and it's uh, to just add to that, I think it's uh, people, especially with the proliferation of media and social media, it's like, there's so much content, there's flood coming in all the time. It's like the content that I read and consume are people that have built and developed trust with me through those channels or have constantly added value. And what I've noticed is that those people are excellent content uh, distribution. They're excellent content distributors because they're constantly finding ways to break down their big article that they wrote into two, three simple bullets that when I see it, I'm like, you know what? Like, if I spend the time to read this article tomorrow, it's going to make me think. It's going to make me better at this discipline if than if I I wasn't. Really cool, you're mentioning it, and it's also very important for people not to be afraid of doing this because I know that many marketers would approach this summaries as you know a free gateway to your long article. If you saw three bullets, you no longer have any reason to read the two thousand word piece which in my opinion is a very big mistake because if the article is 2,000 words, usually it has its reasons for being 2,000 words and the reasons are often not just SEO. Yeah, 100%. It's just like, um, I don't know, I, I, we're, all, we're all wired in a way to, uh, before we spend two hours of our day watching a movie or a documentary or a miniseries, we watch the trailer, right? Like, the trailer builds momentum and gets us excited and we decide once we you know watch the trailer if it's going to be something worth our time or not and i think instead of not being clicked or looked at by adding context you're providing that trailer for the future person for the person that could read your stuff and i think people who aren't doing that the audience is just moving on to the next article 
So since we're talking a little bit more about attracting more people and getting in touch with people, uh, finding the right groups for you, I thought we can move on to the next bit, which is aligning content marketing with demand generation. So do you have any good tips, advice, maybe some tricks on how to get that done? I think it's more important now than ever before. And I say this as someone who spent his first half of his career in demand gen and kind of the back half on content and brand. Um, there, there are so many conversations that I'm having with marketers that their boss or their boss's boss is coming up to them and saying like, what is the ROI of our content program? And if you are given that question, you're probably sends maybe chills down your spine because it's really difficult to answer without trying to spend time figuring it out, which I think is a problem in general. And it's a whole nother discussion. And that's something at the juice we're really focusing on and trying to figure out how we can bring that to life. But um, I think for now, the easiest way to do it is making sure that you have built and developed partnerships internally or cross-functionally with, you know, if you're in content with your demand gen counterparts. So I think it's just integration of content in everything you do. And to me, that's on the the content marketer to make sure that you are showcasing your pieces internally through your channels. For many of us, it's Slack. That's what it is for us at Juice, the Juice. But just making sure that people understand what your content is and what it's meant for and aligning with your demand gen counterpart to make sure that whatever they're doing, whatever campaign they're running, whatever um, you know tactics that they're thinking about, that your piece is, is front and center and top of mind with them. Um, if you're operating in a silo this year, from a content perspective, you're doing it wrong. And chances are like, you know, come later this quarter or next quarter, you're going to start getting some questions. And so I think always try to figure out how you align the content that you're creating with revenue. And from a marketing perspective, demand gen is typically the closest to the revenue or the pipeline number. So I think it's just sitting down and, and having a conversation and figuring out how you you can um, both support each other's initiatives and align on goals. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm, I'm staying silent because, you know, it's just, it's, you've said it. So now actually I would uh, ask myself a question like how you, um, how, how, how don't you actually align content marketing and demand gen? But actually there are some, some environments where uh, these two just like go separate. So yeah, there is still some room for improvement. We were just talking right before recording this episode that it's very important for the teams, all marketing teams to essentially be on the same page. So marketing needs to know what is happening in the content team. The content team needs to know what's happening in design team just in order to be able to function as a company. So it makes perfect sense that such close collaborators as content and demand gen would have to be aligned as closely as possible because at the end of the day we are creating content to get more traffic get more visitors and essentially build better relationships with our audience what 100 and i think just a uh final comment on this point is that it uh this is this is scary and and i i um i have been investigating just the modern day marketer for the last two years and it is scary to me that there are still instances across B2B where the content marketer is operating in a silo and they're operating like a content factory and they're measured on volume-based output. So 
number of pieces created. In that old school scenario where the marketer, content marketer is just publishing to try to hit some algorithms and get SEO and get get their SEO up. Um, in that scenario, then the the content marketer doesn't even need to think about demand gen, doesn't even need to think about sales and they're just operating in a silo and they're just churning content out to churn it out for content's sake. And um, that's still happening, which I think is crazy. And it, 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 it's for anyone who is very um, highly collaborative, cross-functional nature, has a team with goals that are aligned, that still seems crazy. But I think it just, to me, when I hear those stories, it just it's just a reminder that uh, the 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 boss or the boss's boss who got their promotion and made it big by having that be okay. Um, the ex- it, the expiration date is running out on that, and so I think it's it's really on um, content marketers, mid level managers, people that are on the ground floor doing the work to make sure that you're able to communicate change and things that need to be done. Um, even if it doesn't align with what your leader thinks is right. Um, and I just think that's really important. It's just like feel any marketer listening to this, if they don't think that they're running a playbook that's going to be successful in 2023, like make sure you have a conversation with your manager about why and give them some context on things that you might um, do differently and, and, and why that might overall help support their goals. So I just want to make sure that, we all feel, regardless of role, empowered to have those types of conversations within their inside our marketing teams. Definitely makes sense. You've mentioned, like you know, content marketers uh, creating, focusing on creating content, and also like you know this this volume based uh, performance, right? So, how do you actually achieve this balance, or like what would be your suggestion here? Because we tend to focus on creating content. It's like you know something we are used to, uh, we're good at. And since, yeah, it's, it's, it's more challenging actually to measure the performance than it is to create content. So actually, what, what would you suggest here? Where is the ratio? Like, you know, how much of creation, how much of distribution, how much of actually aligning the, the, the things you've created? So nothing I say will be a one-size-fits-all approach or box. All I can do is share from my personal experience. But what I have found is that the more I lean into collaborations, so we're we're collaborating on this right now. It's we're you know we're working different brands. We're having a conversation about marketing. The more I focus in on the uh, building collaborations, the less I think about um, quantity because you know it, it takes time to reach out to someone. It takes time to to talk about the piece of content that you're going to create. It takes time to create that content. And so I think just for me as like a forking mess, a force forcing mechanism, um, the more I collaborate, the less content there is. But for me, the more opportunity I have to distribute, to uh, partner with the other brand to gain exposure, leverage their distribution channels, whether it's their podcast, uh, their newsletter, their social channels. Um, so that's been kind of the the forcing function to me. It's like, yeah, still pick and choose your spots to write that article. That's that point of view piece that um, helps set up what your product's going to do or a new release that's happening down the road. Not saying you shouldn't do that. You should do that. And it's really, but I think what's maybe even more important is like building out your wish list of like collaborators 
and um, identifying opportunities that you all can work together and that, that you can then benefit from the audience that they've built and the distribution channels that they've created. There are so like more and more questions in my head right now. One of them, for example, like with the AI. So, you know, when we think about creating content, right? So, so what, what do you think about the use of GP3 here? Because I totally feel what you've said, like, you know, the, that when you, when you focus on collaborating, actually, when there are so many opportunities for like in, in each and every area, I would say. Yeah, especially with AI here, like helping us with creation nowadays. I think that this is something that we should bear in mind when we actually de de devise the strategy for 2023, that actually how to maybe turn or just move away from creating a bit uh, towards like collaborating and towards like, you know, creating opportunities and discovering something new. Yeah, I'm, uh, I am always like when something new shiny and flashy comes out i'm never the first to be like oh this is amazing i'm gonna go adopt this and start using this or i'm gonna make predictions on how this thing is gonna completely change everything that we've done before i kind of like to sit back and let everyone else talk about it and do the thing and then just let the cream rise to the top so i um it, it definitely feels like a tidal wave on the AI stuff. It seems like it's everywhere, which is, this is what happens in marketing. Something happens and everyone gets excited and then it's everything you see for a while. I think what I'm monitoring is like the sustainability of this conversation in AI. Like how long does this stay? What are uh, different people who I respect and appreciate who are implementing AI through their marketing? Like what are the things that they're doing? That's what I'm trying to pay attention to right now. What I can tell you is like, Nothing will ever replace the um, individual thoughts, ideas, point of view, and perspective of the individual. So I, I never, I, I don't see AI ripping and replacing content, and all of a sudden everyone's just going to hire a bunch of robots, and that's going to create your uh, strategy. If you do that, chances are you're going to probably end up sounding like everyone else, and that's not good for your brand. So. Uh, I'm optimistic that we're going to come to some sort of balance at some level where automating some of the things that um, we don't like or aren't so fun in content maybe get replaced with the AI portion, but then we can layer on top that you know thought leadership, that perspective that is why people are coming to your brand on a regular basis and why people want to learn from from you. I'm personally terrified of AI taking over our jobs, essentially. <laughs> so now people are using ChatGPT so often, and it's being used for everything, right? From content creation to topic ideation to optimization, maybe not so much, but I'm pretty sure that even maybe by the time this episode is live, it might already be a thing, which only supports the point of how terrified I am. New, hey, new things are always, new things can always be scary. I My recommendation would just be like, try to sit back and wait and see how it all plays out that at least that's what i'm trying to do um but if i'm not here in six months and some robot uh has uh taken over my job then just please send help but yeah you know see say it and wait it out and then boom it's six months later and our jobs no longer exist okay panic over <laughs> I, I remember that we tried it i mean we tried uh some ai tool last year um maybe some eight months back but, you know, I, after doing the research, we were quite sure that, oh, okay, it's, it's not going to happen in the nearest future. 
because we tried it like both in English and in Polish. And in Polish, it's like a ridiculous fun because like, okay, it does produce some, you know, grammatical structures, but does not make real sense or like doesn't really convey meaning. So that's, that's interesting. Too bad we work in English. So... <laughs> No, yeah, getting some slack in Polish is not going to help. Okay, I'm. I mean, especially in this like, but but if you think about this generic content, like you know, for us, like working in the email marketing like industry, so how many times can you explain like what is email marketing, right? So like like, so at some point, it it is totally reasonable to to use some AI powered tool to actually just like you know maybe just produce this eighty percent of the content in an instant. And still you get this 20% of of your original thoughts of something that you think that has changed. And so I'm optimistic. No, absolutely. I think this is an excellent point that AI should prove to be very helpful when it comes to um, some definitions we might be sick of. For example, your own introductions, which I personally hate writing. And this is happening right now. And that does look pretty exciting. So thank you for calming me down a little bit here. And we also wanted to chat with you for the final bit of this episode about creating content when resources might be a little bit constrained, because this is another thing we're all competing in 2023. It's like limited budgets, uh, maybe not enough tools in our disposal. So how do you keep being creative and up to date when you may not necessarily have the funds to do so? Uh, this is a, a really uh, good topic and question. I think it's this is something most marketers are, are thinking and trying to figure out right now. Uh, my recommendation would be do whatever you can to um, identify your pillar content. So what is your one big thing that you're going to focus on and how you can chop that one big thing up on a regular basis, use tac- use strategies like distribution to make it feel and seem to your audience that you're producing new content every day. I uh, got asked the question not too long ago. It's like, all right, you created you know 200 plus pieces of content from last year. Like, what are you doing with it now? And I was like, shit, like, I-, I should be doing something with it now. I'm not doing something with it now. And it's like, we forget once we do something, we we have this tendency as marketers to forget about it. It's like there is so much opportunity to repurpose work that we're doing. Um, and so I use our podcast, Modern Day Marketer, as our pillar content. And so everything that I create is based on those conversations. So whether it's a promoting the episode, whether it's something the guest said that I think is a good topic that I can write about, um, some kind of conversation that we had that might influence the direction of our newsletter. Um, and I just start there. And I feel like the more that I can focus in on one thing, and that's those those pillar conversations, the easier it is for me to feel like I've always got something creatively to add some additional perspective for or create a new piece of content that I think will actually benefit our audience. So that would just be one recommendation. It's just like, don't feel like you need to create a new piece of content every day just to create a new piece of content, but really focus in on like, what is that top line platform that you have or need to build? And then how can you draft off it? Or how can you repurpose some of what you've already created to continue to add value to the people that you're trying to reach? Perfect. 
I think that's very well. This is a very nice way to answer the question and to also end this episode. Unless, Brad, would you like to add something? Irak, would you like to ask something? This is your, the stage is yours. I think that I'm good, actually. I'm just thinking about the context, like, you know, because Brad, you said about context and Anna, you created this um, global marketers calendar recently with how many opportunities? Like 700? 830 plus. <laughs> right. So we have 830 plus contexts to use this, uh, like, you know, next year. So <laughs> I'm a bit overwhelmed. Yeah, that that's overwhelming, but also it provides opportunity. But I think this, like, maybe my parting words will be this. And um, I think like in that example, the uh, identifying ways that you can distribute those out to different audiences at the right time, like to me, like it's overwhelming to think about that and do all of our other jobs. It's like, I really think like this, I this the role of the content dis- distribution individual, it will be an emerging role that we see in B2B because um, it's really challenging. And I know this based on, uh, just the work that I do on a day-to-day basis, it's really hard to be creator and master uh, distributor all at the same time. So I think an emerging role will be the dis- a content distributor within B2B brands, individuals that are sourcing, identifying channels, taking pieces of content, chopping them up, uh, making sure that those get delivered to the right people at the right time. That's like a that's like my bold prediction that I see in um I don't know if it happens in 2023, but I know that we're at the juice going to be talking about it more and more because we believe in in this sort of thing. So that, that would be kind of like my parting words and my bold prediction to sign off with. All right. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. Tell us what you thought about content syndication and whether you've used it in your own marketing campaigns already. Or maybe there's a different marketing channel that you want to explore more and you want to focus more on in, in this year. Do let us know by sending us an email at podcast.getresponse.com and share your opinion about content syndication and generally your thoughts about this episode. This is a perfect place to end this episode and to end this sprint. Thank you so much for sticking to us for these episodes. I hope it was helpful to you and interesting and you've learned something and that you're looking forward to our future sprints that are coming your way soon. Folks, it was super fun to join you for the intros uh, to this sprint, but stay tuned for more because for the next sprint of this podcast, I'll be joining you or joining Anna as a co-host of this podcast. So you'll be hearing from us soon and we'll be taking a short break, but stay tuned and join us for the next sprint of this podcast. And in the meantime, if you miss us, make sure to check out our previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast content. We have a lot of good stuff up there. More than 30 episodes, so you're not going to miss us. Take care and see you soon. Bye. Operation Automation is backed up by GetResponse, the marketing automation platform that's been on the market for over 20 years. Subscribe for more juicy insights. And remember, automate, don't complicate. Uh